Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, what's up? Welcome in. Wednesday episode of the show. Wes Mitchell here, Chris Clark. Didn't have a show on Monday because of President's Day. And, uh... Of course, wanted to hop in here and talk to you a bit about Sean Elliott's reintroductory press conference earlier this week. Maybe if we have time, we'll get into a little bit of recruiting, but we're going to give way probably after about 30, 40 minutes to uh, the guys doing the hard foul show. They're actually going to have a special guest, BJ Mack, joining them from South Carolina men's basketball. I think they're going to hop on about 2.45. I think Mack's hopping on about 3 o'clock, schedule pending. So we'll give way to them. That will be a separate stream. If you're listening to this on the podcast platform, that will be a separate podcast episode as well. But timing-wise, if you do the whole live thing on YouTube, you'll just be able to go back out to YouTube slash Gamecock Central, and the other show will be on there as well. All right, let's get down to it. Again, we're going to break down the reintroductory press conference for Sean Elliott. But first, going to tell you about a couple sponsors, then we're going to tell you about a couple other sponsors later on the show. As you know, Clint Hammond, our OG, he's the presenting sponsor, movementmortgage.com, 803-771-6933. If you're not in the market to buy a home, there's nothing for you to see here. Unless you just want to call Clint and talk about Gamecock Sports, he'll probably do that for you. He would. He would. However, if you've been thinking about buying a home, been thinking about um, moving, in any way, shape, or form, if you just have questions, call Clint right now, 803-771-6933. Market conditions still kind of up and down, kind of all over the place. Clint will walk you through everything, help you out, and let you know what you can afford. Also, if Clint is the OG, then our newest sponsor, Chris, is our friends at Factor. And for those who don't know, I know a lot of people may have already tried Factor. Maybe you haven't. Factor is offering up Meal kits and Chris, and they're going to deliver it straight to your door. You're going to take it out of the box. You're going to throw it in the microwave or the oven for people who don't like to cook or people who are on maybe you just don't have time in life, which is a lot of this these days. <laughs> they have got you covered. Chris and I have been sampling so far. Chris, why don't you tell them a little bit more about Factor? Yeah, man, delicious, ready to eat meals, and it makes eating better a lot easier right pre-prepared chef crafted dietitian approved meals and they're delivered right to your doors the cool thing is they've got like 35 different options a week to choose from if if you say hey i'd like to lose some weight let me go keto let me go calorie smart if you're a vegan if you like stuff that's packed with veggies you can do that they have nutrition add-ons as well over 55 of them wes as you said nothing wrong with the meal kits right those are cool but these come pre-packaged, pre-made, they're ready to go. So two minutes, two and a half minutes, pop them in the microwave. If you'd rather use the oven, you can go that way too. Uh, you might say, hey, it's too expensive. Factor's actually done the math for you. They're actually less expensive than takeout. And every meal is dietitian approved to be both nutritious and delicious. Uh, six meals per week, up to 18 meals per week. 
and then you can pause or reschedule those deliveries at any time. Wes, I had a really good chicken taco bowl the other day. What what were you working with yesterday? You had some factor lunch, right? Yeah, we we got different ones, so we're we gonna did. have to compare notes. I had uh, it was like chicken thighs in some like mushroom sauce, cauliflower rice, which frankly I was hesitant on, but ended up being it almost uh, had like a creaminess to it, kind of. So there you go. Uh, in in some ways, it was actually better than regular rice because of the sauce that was on it. Had some green beans. I'm fifty fifty on green beans, but obviously. I need my greens, so that was good. And then today, I, I've been—I'm just gonna do them for lunch every day, man. I had uh, chicken with like a creamy, like a sun-dried tomato sauce, and then some zucchini noodles on the side. So uh, keeping keeping me in check as far as the healthiness, but also uh, the sauces are what makes it, man. Uh, very like almost surprisingly, um, like tasted really, really good, like. You know, sometimes yeah. health foods can be iffy. This is like healthy enough, but also has has flavor. Yeah, lots of flavor packed with it. And you can actually get a special deal for y'all that are listening. Go to factormeals.com slash Gamecocks50. Use the code Gamecocks50. That'll get you 50% off. That's code Gamecocks50 at factormeals.com slash Gamecocks50. That'll get you 50% off the box, which is an awesome deal. Check that out. I think you'll enjoy it. Wes and I have been enjoying it so far. Yeah, go check out Factor. and appreciate them for being a new sponsor of our show. You'll hear us tell you about them um, a little bit more at later dates. Uh, I'm excited about Factor, and I tell you what, man, Sean Elliott is excited to return to the University of South Carolina, as he said several times. And (laughs) You know, we've we've already talked about kind of the lead into this, what it means, and sort of the big picture stuff. But we did get to hear from Elliot yesterday. We got to hear from Beamer kind of briefly yesterday as well. And, you know, I would say not a ton to kind of chew on there, but there were little things from the press conference that we can take away. We did get the question. Shout out intern Joe. And we may play a couple of clips because, once again, shout out Joe. I think he's got a couple of Elliott clips here in our queue. But Joe asked Sean Elliott the question, what does run game coordinator mean in this sense? And, you know, I I think Elliott didn't want to overstep, frankly. That's maybe, especially for a veteran coach, that's maybe a little bit more of a question for your head coach. And, you know, let, let me just let Coach Beamer answer that one. I, I think was – that's not what he said, but that's kind of how I took it. But then later on, in another question, he did give us, Chris, I thought a little glimpse of what that might look like or just even just the day-to-day of having a guy in your tight ends room that has coached an entire program, that has been a co-offense coordinator, that has been an actual tight ends coach earlier in his career – but as we know, kind of made his made his career coaching the offensive line. And even, Chris, you go back, I'm pretty sure Sean played defensive line back in the day. So he he's got a super diverse background in the areas that he has coached. By the way, how annoying would Sean Elliott have been to play against 
if he were not can you imagine the scrappiness and the intensity oh my gosh we got to go dig up some old sean elliott clips but yeah it was a great question by joe and i think the way he answered it initially wes was hey i've been here a couple days we're in the process we got to meet with the staff we got to figure all that out but then later he was asked a question about working with his working relationship with Lonnie Teasley, the offensive line coach, and what that will look like. Hey, Coach Elliott, you have tons of experience. Coach Teasley is, you know, a younger guy who's been a great recruiter at South Carolina. Will you be able to help him? And that's when he kind of dove in a little bit more to the role. So I'm glad he didn't punt either of those questions. Like you said, some guys might have gotten up there and said, I'll let Coach Beamer answer that you know, or, or given something very vague and vanilla. But within those two questions, you you did get an answer that I thought was fair, gave you some information, but didn't overstep, like you said, Wes. And basically what he landed on on, on the second question was, yeah, I, I hope I can help Lonnie out. And then I hope he can help me out. And I hope the rest of the coaches can help me out. Um, a collaborative effort. And I think something he also hit at that we've been talking a lot about, Wes, is there is – you know, there's a lot of experience in that room. There's a lot of guys with different backgrounds. Um, so we'll, we'll have to kind of wait and see how all that takes shape. We know from our sit down with Shane Beamer, Wes, this is about the time of the year where the coaches are sitting down saying, hey, what do we have? What are we going to be as a team? That's not fully fleshed out yet here on February 21st. And so I think we'll learn more. I, I think we'll hear more what is undoubted is that Sean Elliott will be able to have an impact beyond just coaching those several guys in his tight end room. I think he's going to bring some knowledge uh, to that offensive staff room that, you know, can be used on game day. For sure. And I, I think, like you said, that they would have been tweaking the offense in general. Now, add in the fact you're going to have a new quarterback at the helm. And that, to me means they were going to be tweaking it even more. Like one of the first things Dow Loggins has said when he arrived was, hey, we're going to build this around the quarterback. We're going to make this quarterback friendly. That's what he told Spencer Rattler when he was recruiting him to stay at South Carolina for another year. That was the message from Spencer all last year, talking about sort of this partnership that he has. I even go back to when, Remember when Lenora Sellers first got offered by South Carolina and then Loggins was coming in shortly after that? And I remember interviewing Lenora Sellers at the Shrine Bowl and him saying, hey, this that Dal Loggins has said, hey, this is going to be a quarterback-friendly system. We're going to build everything around the quarterback. So it just so happens that as you sort of transition to what is going to be a QB run friendly scheme, whether it's Sellers, which again, we still think it is, um, or Robbie Ashford, who's going to compete for that job. Either way, you're going to have a quarterback that's got wills, a quarterback that can effectively force the defense to take into account their run game ability. And so that was going to be part of it anyway. But now you bring in someone in Sean Elliott and we'll get the specifics, what exactly does run game coordinator mean. Well, I'm sure we'll hear more from Shane Beamer in the coming weeks and months about what that means to him. Chris, we'll probably hear some things about what that has meant for the program. But 
at the very least, when they're sitting down and having these kind of um, everybody throws something against the wall meetings and they're talking about, hey, well, I like this with this skill set of player against this defensive front. You're going to have a guy in the room who has a load of experience in Sean Elliott, not just in the run game in general, but in having quarterbacks who run the football. Um, I mean, I'm sure he's coached a couple of guys here and there that weren't running quarterbacks, but throughout his career, especially when he's been in charge, it's it's involved a, a runner, I feel like. He's Adam at South Carolina. I mean, even going back to the time at App, they certainly had some guys, Wes. And then, I mean, most recent example, Georgia State, right? Darren Granger, not the same player as Lenora Sellers in, in style, but some similarities, right? I mean, I, I think I brought it up on the game the other day. Hopefully I'm remembering my stat correctly. But last season, the 2023 season, Darren Granger ran double-digit carries in almost every game. I think there were only three games he had like nine carries. The bowl game, he had 24 carries. So this is a guy that they ran a good bit. Remember back to Sean Elliott when he first got on Steve Spurrier's staff. Remember he texted Spurrier during the pizza bowl, I can help this team, and he did, right? I mean, that t- those teams from 2010 on, they had a lot of talent. That surely helped. You had Connor Shaw. You had Marcus Lattimore carrying the ball for you most of the time. But he brought in some concepts, zone read game, right, some run game concepts that really, really helped kind of revitalize the run game, bring some newer concepts in. And so I think that's an area where he's going to be able to do that too, especially with, as you said, Wes, the mobile quarterback in Lenore Sellers in Ashford. We know Dow Loggins, who's going to be actually calling the plays for the Gamecocks. He's got that experience, too. Not calling the plays, but seeing it from working under and with Kendall Browse at Arkansas when they had Rocket Sanders, now a Gamecock, and then obviously K.J. Jefferson. I'm fascinated, Chris, by somebody who – or as somebody who – I like. I'm not a coach. I can't sit there and draw up a bunch of stuff on a board for you, but I, I am fascinated by the different – scheme approaches that you see especially in college football where it can be a little bit more um, dynamic a little bit more diverse about what you may see from week to week compared to the NFL where a lot of it is very very similar and I think and and this will be something that would be interesting to go back and look at too would be to watch some of Bryles film at Arkansas with Jefferson and Rocket and then compare it to some of the stuff that Sean Elliott's doing. I, I think we know, at least going back to his time with with Connor Shaw and that group here, Elliott, it, it is, it's a lot of inside zone. It's a lot of zone read, some outside zone mixed in. You know, Bryles, I think, is a little bit more, um, and I, I'll have to double check this. I know there's, there's some counter involved there. Um, I, I think a little bit more gap scheme, potentially. I'm going to double check that. You look at some of the things going back even to to Oklahoma and what Lincoln Riley was doing there with, with their running game. There's a lot of different ways South Carolina could go with this, I think, and a lot of different ways they could use Seller's skill set. Even, you know, you go back to the Connor Shaw era at South Carolina, 
I don't really think the RPO game was really just as much of a thing at that time. You know, that kind of took over college football a little bit later in the process. And so you would imagine that's going to be a big part, especially with the arm that Sellers has. He's not just a runner. I think the RPO aspect will be at least a part of what South Carolina does. So um, really, there's thousands of little intricate ways South Carolina could take this thing. Like, like the easy answer is, oh, yeah, inside zone, outside zone, zone read, some some gap scheme, some counter. You know, you just name the concepts, some quarterback power. Yeah, that all of the above. But, but what do they really decide to major in? What does this really look like? Um, what fits the skill set of this offensive line as they continue to, you know, hopefully – lean on on that younger group that got a lot of playing time last year with some veterans kind of sprinkled in there too. I think they're I think in a big picture standpoint, what I'm trying to say, we know it's going to be more quarterback run. From a like really nuanced standpoint, there's a ton of different directions they could take this thing. Yeah, I agree. And and that's what's going to be so fascinating in spring we actually get a little bit of a glimpse of some of the things they're going to do. I don't think we'll have a great idea, Wes, because we're going to get to see, you know, just bits and pieces. I think we're really going to know, you know, when the season starts, quite frankly, in several months. I think we're going to hear some bits and pieces, too, as spring goes along, summer, into preseason camp. Hey, expect a little bit more of this. But I think some of this is going to be kind of quiet. It's going to be behind the scenes. And, again, I'll go back to what I said earlier. Beamer's conversation with us, I'm sure that – look, I don't want to give the impression they're going in and they're going to have a staff meeting tomorrow and and they're going to say, well, what you got? What y'all think we should do? You know, it's not like that. They obviously have some things off of last year even that they can build upon. They have some – they have plenty of ideas. They've scouted other teams, et cetera, et cetera. But – what are you going to be? What, Like you said, Wes, what are you going to major in? And some of that probably you're going to be feeling out, to be quite frank, during the spring. But you probably have a better idea philosophically of kind of the shift in the direction you're going to go. Uh, but there is a lot of knowledge in that staff room. There's a lot of experience, a lot of voices, right? And so I'm really, really curious and fascinated to see what comes out on the other side, especially given that, but especially given the personnel that they have this season. Well, it sort of kept catching my attention, Chris, how many times Beamer has now made that comment. He said it in a press conference and said it to us in our sit-down with him. That comment about it can be lonely sitting in the head coach's chair and it can be lonely sitting in the OC chair, particularly, and I think Beamer kind of, I don't want to say let something slip, but he sort of told us without saying, oh, this was a big issue. The fact he brought it up and said, you want for there to be some ideas on the headset on a game day if the OC needs some ideas to be thrown at him on the headset. And I don't think there's going to be any lack of ideas at this point. You look at, they've brought in Joe DeCamillis, who, yes, is, of course, going to be the special teams guy, but he is now going to be incredibly factored in in terms of game day decisions and fourth downs and you know do we go for it here 
are we aggressive here? Are we a little bit more conservative here? He's going to be involved in that. But then you just look at the the experience you've added in terms of play calling or head coach experience or, in some cases, running an offense as the quarterback. You know, your running backs coach in Markwell Blackwell has OC experience and was the trigger man for the offense at USF as the QB. So he, he gets the big picture. You obviously have a guy in James Coley who is incredibly experienced at the Power 5 level and has been in the OC role. Then, of course, you add in a Sean Elliott to this mix as well. It, it almost is going to be a matter of if you're Dow Loggins, if you're Shane Beamer, it's the opposite problem almost. How, how do you condense this down into what are we actually going to be? What do you want to be as a, as a whole? And for Shane Beamer, I think it's going to be about kind of in, in a real-world sense, managing all the different – I mean, these are guys that have been very successful and I think have not egos, but they just have big personalities. So managing all those personalities and making it all fit, making it all work, now becomes a part of this as well. Yeah, and I, I think honestly, Wes, that's probably what you need. You know, I and I, and I'm not sitting here projecting that. You're right; they do have some big personalities um, in that room, in the offensive staff room. And I'm not saying there's going to be any issues, but it's okay if you do have disagreements, right? Or if there are a lot of differing opinions, or just a lot of opinions. I, I think some of that is healthy, right? Because that means you're probably getting better and you know, we know that in all three phases, you know, to go back to our talk with Beamer, he wasn't satisfied with, with any of them last year. And so the changes and the tweets have been different. There have been more changes to the offensive side of the ball. Now, you can take out, you know, Pete Limbo, there's one coordinator for special teams, right? So that was a big, big change. You feel good about Joe D. Camillus coming in, given his track record. But just as far as the actual moving parts and changes, there's more offensive coaches. There are more offensive staff changes. And so with that comes some questions. On paper, it looks like Shane Beamer has done pretty well. But there are, it's still fair to ask questions about what they're going to be and how all this is going to work. I think that's totally fair. But when you when you look at some of the changes he's made, when you look at the – uh, personnel, right, particularly like at the running back position and what you have at quarterback. Are there still questions on offense? Yeah, there's there's plenty of them. But you can you can kind of draw the line between, okay, here's some reasons that things could be better in 2024. And I think that's what, you know, people are banking on. Yeah, I uh, made this point on the radio, Chris. I don't know if we've talked about it here on the pod. Uh, something else I want to get to just briefly is the – fact of what this means to Sean Elliott to be back at, at South Carolina again it's it's his story has been well documented Camden native grew up a South Carolina fan like you said earlier had the uh, gumption to text Steve Spurrier of all people and be like hey man I can help you I can fix this and we, we saw that obviously play out for, for other reasons as well but Sean Elliott a big part of South Carolina's run through the greatest stretch in school history on the football side. And I think we'll try to – it's a different situation now. It's completely different. What he's being asked to do will be different. 
but there is some carryover there as well. And I, I do want to get into how it's probably a little bit more of a no-brainer for Sean Elliott specifically to take this role than it would be on the surface if you just saw the headline, you know, group of five head coach takes tight ends job. If you just saw that headline in general, yeah, you might be like, what is, I'm missing something here. And you would be, but I think you add the context and it's quite a bit different. So like I said, let, let's lean on intern Joe here a little bit and take advantage. We, we've actually got Sean Elliott talking about the opportunity here. I'm going to play that, and then we're going to give our thoughts on why this really probably had way more check marks in the pro category as opposed to the con category than it might seem on the surface. But of course, Sean Elliott talking earlier this week about his return to the University of South Carolina. And Chris, he went into it some there, of course, and just the, the ability to be closer to his family obviously played a huge part in this. Like he said, his daughter and his son over at AC Flora. And after driving the three and a half hours back and forth at times to go to middle school football games and now to be able to drive you know, seven minutes here and then seven minutes there heading to the ops building. Um, you're like I said earlier, man, you're going 
you're going down Rosewood Drive and George Rogers Boulevard instead of going down, uh, you know, I-20 in Atlanta <laughs> and dealing with downtown Atlanta traffic. So I think even once you dive into like the the professional side of it, it it does kind of make a little more sense there too than you would think on the surface because you're making eight hundred eleven thousand dollars as public information. Not to get too deep into it, but you're making eight hundred eleven thousand dollars. You're coming back home to make seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. You don't have to put all the miles on your truck. You don't have to drive back and forth all the time. You don't have to worry about NIL and transfer portal except for your room, your guys, instead of 85 guys. And other than just the pride and the probably long-time goal of being the head coach, you know, this is my team, I make all the decisions. Once you get that out of your system – Maybe he's just experienced that now. Maybe other things, it appears by the decision-making here, other things are more important. So I feel like once you kind of get that part of it out of the, the way, it, it borderline is a no-brainer for Sean Elliott mm-hmm. once you kind of dive deeper into it. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I don't think it's – um this isn't one where you can – you know, go on social media and say, look, look, this is this is what it is in college football nowadays. You know, th- there are some examples of those, right? Because coaches have been more outspoken now and some of the challenges that are faced. But we, that's another thing we talked to Beamer about, Wes, and I'm, I'm actually going to work on a piece on that soon. He's like, are there problems? Yeah, I am still blessed to get what to do what I do. Um, Sean Elliott, when he was a head coach at Georgia State, I think felt the same way, but this is a different deal than a head coach going to be an OC at another school or leaving college football to go to the NFL. This is a very specific set of circumstances with a guy who grew up loving this school has coached here before and family still literally lives here. It's a totally different situation. And when you put all those things together, if you have more of a less of an outside view of it, it makes all the sense in the world, I think. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, I, I think this is right where he wants to be. Every coach in a press conference setting is going to say something to the extent of there's nowhere else I'd rather be. With Sean Elliott, uh, you know, you can guarantee that's ab- absolutely the case here. I mean, this is a guy I think if he wasn't the assistant, an assistant coach at South Carolina and was just maybe retiring from football, there's a decent chance you would see him tailgating at Gamecock Park for some games, I, I think. like This guy just absolutely loves the program, loves it here, loves the school, and instead he's going to get to put um, all that energy and effort into helping make them better, which, which I do think uh, just from a pure football standpoint, he, he absolutely would do that. By the way, Chris, I, I'm looking forward to everybody reading those comments from Shane Beamer because – they they got at least in my head a little bit overshadowed by some of the other stuff we got, but the more I thought about it, those were kind of important as well. And I don't want to misquote him because I'm not looking straight at it. But basically, Beamer told us uh, didn't didn't he say he even was thinking about it when he had the guys over at his house, Chris, yeah. and just was spending time with the boys, basically spending time with his team. How fortunate he still feels, even with all the other stuff in college athletics. 
to be in that role. And I, I thought – I don't know if you saw this yet, Chris. Have you seen Kenny Dillingham's yeah. quotes from Arizona State today? Yeah. Um, yeah. By the way, I kind of like this guy, man. He's got some fire to him. He said, uh, I literally spent nine years of my life doing anything to become a coffee boy. So don't give me that, oh, it's hard to be a coach right now. Yeah, it's hard. Then quit. <laughs> uh, Dillingham throwing down the gauntlet on any other coach that wants to just complain about everything else. And, hey, yeah, there's a lot going on. But you are still pretty fortunate to be in this business. And I think Beamer, and people will see that from his quotes, Beamer, a guy who who fully understands it is – it's not a right to be an SEC head coach. Like it is something to be thankful for and grateful for. And uh, to, to, you're fortunate to be in those positions, regardless of who you are, if you're coaching at the major college football level. Yeah, no doubt. And and I think still paraphrasing here, Wes, but just, Hey, it, it helps me, you know, that instance of guys being over at his house, it helps you remember, you know, why you're in college athletics as opposed to, you know, the NFL you know, why you want to stay a head coach. The the pay's great, right, SEC head coach. But impacting young men is something that he he particularly pointed out. And so, you know, and I was curious to hear about that. Hey, what will he say about it? Um, I didn't expect Shane Beamer to say, even if he was thinking this, yeah, you know, I'm thinking about hanging it up. You know, I didn't think he was going to say that. But but what would he say? And I walked away from the conversation very much thinking, okay, this isn't a guy that's just completely fed up with college football and the way things are going. He still seems, you know, very happy with where he's at while hoping that some things, you know, in the game adjust eventually. Yeah, I think they're going to have to adjust, but um, we'll see. That That's a discussion for another day. Uh, let's see. I, I want to hit a little bit of recruiting. We're kind of running out of time here. And uh, we also got to get to a couple of other of our sponsors. Chris, it's tax time, man. And I know you are feeling very comfortable with your tax situation. Thanks to our friends at Liberty Tax. Yeah, my guy, Larry Slaughter. Shout out to him. 803-462-5576 is how you can get into contact as well. He spent a lot of his time uh, meeting with my wife and meeting with me together to figure out our tax situation. Uh, no tax society here in the Clark household. We got it all figured out, all squared away. Yeah, maybe you do have to pay the government some money. Maybe you don't. Maybe they pay you some money back. But regardless, you need to know where you stand and you need to have a great plan, whether you're a business owner, whether you're an individual, married, filing solo, whatever it may be. Larry's got tons of experience, super helpful, super knowledgeable guy. So Hit him up and his team at Liberty Tax at 803-462-5576. Also, if you are looking to uh, maybe diversify the wealth streams that are coming in for when you later have to do your taxes, you can also call our friend Andy at My Perfect Franchise. That is MyPerfectFranchise.net, 404-973-9901. Shoot him an email, Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. You may be saying, Wes, what, why am I calling Andy? What does he do? Well, here is what Andy is all about. He is all about helping you pursue the American dream, whether that is diversifying your wealth, whether that is building your wealth in the first place. Uh, if you're wanting to leave your current job or you're just wanting to start a side hustle, he can help you with that because he is a franchise consultant. That means he helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirements, time to commit, 
and other factors. Uh, the best part about it, other than being able to bring in more money for yourself and build that wealth, is that Andy's services for you are 100% free. He is here to help you in any questions you may have about franchising and business ownership. Again, call Andy today, 404-973-9901. Back to a couple of recruiting things on the football end before we turn it over to hard foul for basketball. Chris, I've been a little bit, I don't want to say surprised, but a little bit struck by how many guys are setting their summer official visits already. It's February, and... These guys are, are locking in OVs already. Yeah, man. What, about 9, 10, 11 guys that have already locked in official visits with the Gamecocks in multiple positions, too. So we've seen offensive line, receiver, um, defensive positions, right? Several guys and, and some, some pretty big names. And I think more to come, right? Because they're sitting here February 21st. Got guys on, I think, what? about three different weekends that last weekend in May, May 31st, it leads into June and then a couple, a weekend or two in June as well. So some nice names as this list starts to take shape. One of them, Wes, I mean, starting point for me, you know, thinking about some in-state guys, Malik Clark, obviously the wide receiver out of Rock Hill who, you know, picked up an offer in January. It seems like James Coley has really continued to advance that recruitment. Something else I'm going to be writing about soon, Wes. I really feel like, side note, James Coley at some point is going to emerge kind of out of nowhere with a, oh, they're in the game with that guy type of wide receiver. That's something I've kind of been monitoring as of late. But uh, Malik Clark's a guy that's going to be visiting uh, in the month of June. Several others as that list continues to take shape, though. Yeah, let's – Travis, our, our buddy Travis Edwards here, called me out. He said I never answered his question. Is May 31st or June 7th going to be more important? I mean, at at this point, Travis is basically telling me I can't say both. Well, we don't know who all is going to be here yet. They they got to set the – we got to see what the final list looks like at this point. But even – I mean, even June 21st, you already kind of have a head start there and that you have Zayden Walker, a five-star, already locked in for, for that weekend as well. Looking through, I mean, good, great. You've got, I tell you, Chris, a guy I feel like South Carolina is just quietly in the game with and maybe needs to be talked about a little bit more, Jared Smith, high yeah. four-star edge guy. We've seen him in camp, absolute stud. He's the type of, you know, he's right up there in, I would say, in the Dylan Stewart type conversation as an edge rusher. And he's coming in on that second weekend, June 7th. Right now, as as it stands here, just to give Travis an answer because he's a loyal supporter, I'd maybe add, I'd maybe say May 31st. We added Shamari Earls to the expected visitors list yesterday for that. He's a four-star corner. I think Gamecocks are quietly in pretty good shape with him. And I, I think it's actually kind of an important class for them to add a top corner or two. So m- maybe May 31st, but I, I think it's also to be determined. 
Yeah, I agree. That, I think you could kind of split hairs between those. And as you said, important point, not filled out, not finished. We've seen even over the last two, three days, Wes, names continuing to be added. I mean, you added a name to the list today as a four-star visitor um, to the offensive line visitor list. So I think this will continue to be built out, and we'll see. They're all going to be important, right? Um, so I'll, I'll go more generic since you answered this question. I think all these are going to be important. Um, because each of these weekends, there's going to be some really talented guys on campus. No doubt. We'll keep adding to these lists. I, I may put out another article maybe today or tomorrow just listing them all because it can be it can start to get kind of difficult to to remember all the guys and, and sort of have a feel for who is coming in each week. There's There are a couple of other guys I could see added to this list maybe within the next 24 hours, a couple of guys that I think they are on the verge of having visits locked in with. And so I tell you what, though, Chris, there's some big boy recruiting competition for a lot of these guys that have already locked in. So, uh, you know, and even Malik Clark, who you talked about, Coley making a big push there. I've heard locally, don't forget about North Carolina there. UNC heavily heavily involved with Malik Clark. They're pushing as well. They've got an OV locked in for him, too. So uh, none of these guys are going to be easy gets. There's going to be competition for all of them. And then there's also several other in-state prospects that I think South Carolina is in pretty good shape with. Uh, you know, you look at uh, DeAnthony Addison at Sumter, Shed Surratt from Gaffney, A.J. Brand from right here locally in Irmo. I'm sure those guys will take OVs to South Carolina, and I think Carolina in pretty good shape with all three of those guys. But, all right, y'all, we're out of time. Again, we're going to turn it over. Uh, The Hard Fouls guys, they're taking over. It's going to be a basketball edition of the show. They're going to be joined by BJ Mack. So, again, if you're watching on the YouTube stream or if you're on the podcast version, it'll be a separate episode, separate show. But just for everybody who wants to watch live, we're going to give way. We're going to end it a little bit early and give way to those guys. They'll be on momentarily right at 245 again if you're here with us live. So, all right, appreciate all of you for joining. Appreciate all of our sponsors, as always. For Chris Clark, I'm Wes Mitchell. We'll see you all soon.